precious name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right, find Hebrews 12. We, uh, we traipsed in this uh, chapter just a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Verdier was here. If y'all remember, if you were here, Verdier and his wife Amber were here from Haiti. And uh, what we saw in that is that we were surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And, and so we actually kind of put ourselves in the arena, pretending that, that we were in this arena and that Jesus and Paul and Matthew and, and all of the writers, all of the people... Uh, that had gone before us were in the arena rooting us on. You know, it's just a cool picture for me because I do believe that that's what's really happening and, and it's in the book and we're going to read that tonight. And, and so the thing that I want to remind us right on the get-go is that part of this chapter said and was talking to us about running our race. And it said, I want you to run your race. Run your race with perseverance and endurance. And we reminded each other that my race is not to look like Pop's race. That we're both him-powered, but his uniqueness is different than my uniqueness, and so I need to live out who God made me to be. And we left ourselves, even that night, saying and reminding ourselves that sometimes because we walk through life so much with the mask on, we don't even know who we are. That I've had men literally say to me, I, when I've told them, I said, man, hey, you just go do you. They'll go, Bivo, I wish I could. I don't know who I am. I've, I've lost myself in that. So it takes courage for a man to admit that, but it's also empowering because now he's at the point where he knows and can start seeking out who God made him to be. And, to, and, to, and here's the litmus test for that. I'm going to give this to you. Think about what you would do if you knew that you would succeed at it. Or, if you knew that no one would try to talk you out of it. That's the biggie. If you knew that no one would try to talk you out of something, what is it that after you walk through that door that you would go be about? And it doesn't have anything to do about being up on a stage. Maybe it does. But whatever that is, I'm hoping that after tonight that you'll do that. Because you remember that week when we were talking about having the faith of the size of a mustard seed that would move mountains? And you remember what we said that mountain could possibly be? It's me. That what if I'm the mountain? That what if I did by faith whatever it is that God's made me to be and go do it. And that mustard seed faith starts blossoming out here and people take notice and go, oh my gosh, where did that come from? And so that's where we are. So we're in Hebrews 12 and we've reminded ourselves that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And So I'm going to jump down to verse 4 where it says, After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin, in verse 5, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when He corrects you. Let's call a time out here just for a second. That word encouraging that you see there, it means to bring comfort, consolation. It means an offering of refreshment. And so what he's saying, he goes, have you forgotten the comfort 
the, the, the words of offering refreshment of God spoke to you as children. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up where He corrects you. Now, quick show of hands. When you hear that word discipline, do you think of that as negative? Raise your hand. Okay, that's cool. Alright, when you hear the word uh, discipline, how many of us positive? Think of that as positive. So most of us are in the negative mind frame. L listen to the definition because I too was in that boat. I don't like discipline. But I'm starting to change my heart about it when I read it, when I, I go, look, look what this says. It's the whole training and education of children which relates to the cultivation, which means just growing up of the mind and morals. It also includes, Pop will love this, it also includes the training and care of the body. Whatever, here's what else. Whatever in adults... It cultivates the soul. It's, it's, it's training the soul by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. Man alive, I know what that one feels like. What are your passions that you go, man, I wish I wouldn't do that one anymore. Crap. Why do I keep going back to that? That's, we're going to learn how that discipline will help curb that. Last piece of it. It's instruction which aims at increasing virtue. And what that means is just behavior showing high moral standards. And it's not the standards that gets us accepted. Remember, if we're Him-powered, there's something in, there's the Him in us that will help curb the passion. Now when I read that, that kind of, that's more positive to me. Right. Is it to you? Yeah, because we relate discipline to punishment. Yeah. And that's why it's... Yeah, so this will be a good time to bring this baby out. <laughs> I brought props. How many of us that when you thought about discipline, you thought the big hammer was coming down? Mm -hmm. How many of us put that on God? How many of us tonight can put the big hammer of discipline on God? That He's got the fist and He's ready to come down on me. How many of us are in that boat tonight? Okay, hopefully by after this you won't be. How many of us wanted to raise our hand and didn't raise our hand? <laughs> so that's the thing. What is the motive behind the discipline? Here's what I want us to think about just for a second. When you're disciplining your children, for those of us that are blessed with children, is that a positive or a negative thing? It's a positive. Alright, what is your motive in the discipline, in the training? Teach. Teach. Improve right Absolutely. So at those times when God is teaching and pruning and disciplining us, why do we pull this one out? Because well, as kids, what we got was women. So that's what I still think of it in terms of being a kid. There you go. Because we are His children, right? And so the big red hand, big fist comes down and starts clunking us on the head. Let's keep moving on here. Put the wall up, okay? So when the crazy in our life happens, who do we transfer the, the reason for the crazy on? Everybody else but us. 
And so if there's, if, there's circumstance, if there's consequences that come out of crazy in our life, why do we try to throw them on God? Lord, you're just beating me up because of all the stuff I've been doing. Is that really the truth? But we do that, right? And so the thing is, is that it's not that we're doing that, it's the why we're doing it. That if I can get to the why and transfer the anger, the, the uh, get rid of the victim mentality. That's what I want to help us all to get rid of. Because the thing is, is that when you put this in God's hand, you just turned yourself into a victim. And you are not. He blasted out tombs so you would not have to be. I want to remind us, flip over just for a second, and this will, this will start bringing this to a, a little bit better light with the discipline. Move over to John just for a second, because Jesus spoke about this. John chapter 16. Verse 8 and 9. It says, And when He, He's talking about the Holy Spirit here, this is Jesus talking, when He, the Holy Spirit, that's the big H helper, comes, He will convict, that word means to refute, to convince, to show correct. He will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. Look at this in verse 9, gang. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in Me. That's Jesus talking. He said, the whole thing can be summed up. Your chaos can be summed up that you continue to operate out of some sort of unbelief. That I can take you back, I can take myself back to each moment chaos has entered my life and especially when I'm in the midst of it and I can center it down on a point where I operated in unbelief. For example, I go to the store and I want to pull out whatever it is that's going to make me feel better. I'm going to use something, alcohol or whatever it is to cope. Pills, food, shopping, talking about others. Whatever it is that I'm going to use to make me feel better about me, I'm operating in unbelief because that's not the most beneficial way to take care of it. Y'all tracking with me? That you go back to the point and you remind yourself, nope, I am who God says I am. Who He says I am. He says I'm spotless. He says I'm blameless. He says I'm pure. He says I'm forgiven. So when we go into the mindset of discipline, how do we start transforming our mind to where it's going to be more positive? So let's do this. Got our hands, right? Look at here. <laughs> love swords. Don't you love swords? Star Wars. How many of us love going to the gym? I do. How many of us love working out? Some. How many of us would love to work out, but we don't? <laughs> I want to love it. It's a great idea, and Monday's coming. That's usually when we say I'm going to start. Monday's coming. 
Think of it this way. How many of us have remember, reminded ourselves that the Bible at times has been called the sword? Right? So just as anything, if I'm operating in the fact that if the Holy Spirit within me, the Him powered, is starting to convince me that there are things that aren't beneficial for me, then it's like a cutting away of it. It's the sword saying, I don't want that on you anymore, Bibbo. That's God saying, that's not beneficial. You've been carrying that away. You've been carrying that grief so long. I want you to start cutting that away. Because I want to know, why are you still carrying it? What is that feeding for you? And so when the cutting comes, how many of us put the red hand up and say, man, the Lord's just beating me up. Or we'll say this one, the devil's really after me. How many of us ever say that one? I'm praying tonight you'll never say those words again. Gang, he is defeated. The enemy has been 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 defeated. So at any moment when you think someone's after you, it's your own hand. You're doing this number. And so the question then comes is why? Why are you whooping yourself? The Lord is just cutting things away that's not beneficial for you. That's positive. Extremely positive. I dare say that in those moments that they're up there doing this number. You go, gang! You go! You're letting loose of it! You're cutting loose of what's been holding you back! Go, man! Go! So how do we get these and get rid of that? How do you get rid of this tonight? Look at verse 9. Because I think here's where we get some of this empowered from. Verse 9 says, Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? And the... the, and the honesty of that is, gang, is that I know that in a group like this, that there's some folks that, right, that don't have a great dad. There's some in this group that have a great earthly dad. I'm blessed to have two great earthly daddies. One sitting right here. The other one sitting in Tullahoma. They love me well. And guess what? I still went out and did some of the most crazy things ever. It was not their fault. And so at times we want to transfer our craziness onto the fact that our Father maybe didn't father us in the, in the best fashion. And we've got, here is the motive of God, our Heavenly Father, for you or against you? For me. Say it out loud. For me. Alright, so any of this stuff that's coming through that He's cleansing me of, then is that a positive thing or a negative thing? Go, man, go. Go, man, go. At any moment when you're stretched to the point where you didn't think you could go any further, and you go, man, alive, how am I going to do this? And you do it. Who's rooting you on? Him. Amen, bro. Skip on down. Oh, time out. 
Time out. This is, this is, you've got to come out of here with this, equipped. What do I do, Bivo? What do I do when that thought comes into my mind? That it's a rebellious thought. Is that you do exactly what Paul told us in Corinthians. That you take the thought captive. How do you do that? Is that I hold that thought. And I make it obey Christ. How do you do that, Bivo? Is that you look at that thought that has come flying in your mind, and if it is anything outside of who Jesus says you are, or what Jesus wants you to do, you get rid of it. There's been times that I'll literally roll the window down figuratively in my truck and, and pretend that I'm throwing it out. There's, isn't it some of the craziest thoughts will come into your mind, right? And they're, a lot of times they're negative. You take the thought captive and make it obey Christ. Is Christ for you? Yes. Is He ever against you? No. Has He ever failed you? No. Will He ever fail you? No. And then how do I know that? Uh, can you answer that to someone? If someone says, how do you know He's never failed you? What's your comeback to Him? I got one for you. That's a good one. Promises that he won't. What's the tangible evidence? Amen. Buy them a ticket. Go put their head in that hole. And it will echo back of the empty tomb. You can't disagree with that. That's all the evidence that we need. And I don't, we don't have to prove it. Let your life prove it by the way that you love and not fake it. I'm going to finish up here. Verse 18 says, You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, whirlwind, as the Israelites did in Mount Sinai. Real quick, Mount Sinai is where uh, Moses went and got all the rules. And they literally couldn't touch that mountain. If they did, they would blow up. <laughs> and before even Moses could get back down on the mountain, the people down there were so like us, <laughs> that they went ahead and started building other... They built the golden calf. Moses was taking too long. What's going on with Moses? He's taking too long. He's not back down here. Aaron, build us a golden calf. Build us something that we can worship. Because see, that day, God... You, we could say that God did lower that hammer. Because you were touching a mountain that you would blow up. But how it's changed to the mountain of Zion that means fellowship. That I want you to come into this. It, it reminded me of this thing on the, on the uh, not being able to touch it. My dad had a, had a lazy boy chair when I was growing up. And uh, that thing, would, I believe, would lean back past parallel. You know, daddy, dad, daddy's in the chair and he's a big tobacco chewer, you know. And the side of his chair was just gross because it had all the tobacco where he didn't quite hit his spittoon. You know, it's just all over the place. It was really gross. And so before Daddy would come home, we'd be sitting in the chair. And he just, so Pop's going to be me, and, and I'm Daddy, and, and, and Pop, me, sitting in Daddy's chair. And, and all Daddy would do is he just, he just. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had that happen to you? He'd just stare at you. And you knew he was in his chair. So, you know, you kind of slithered out of it. You know, okay, I'll get out. That would be Mount Sinai. But we've come, look at verse 22. 
We've come to a mountain of the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and the countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God Himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. That, that's us. That's us. 24, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. God, we, guys, we've got full access to the lounge chair. Mm-hmm. He is rooting us on. He wants you to sit in that lounge chair. He wants to sit in the lounge chair with you. He's saying, man, get, welcome home. Get in my lap. I'll rub your back. What do you want me to do? And so the thing is, he doesn't have a big pencil up there with your name written in the book of life. His pencil doesn't have an eraser on it. So if you've been one that jumps in heaven, out of heaven, in heaven, out of heaven based on your performance, i got great news for you. It's not based on your performance. It's based on what Jesus did. And your yes to Him. And so when all that comes about, the thing is, is I want to close with this. You remember by faith, if we, we put um, a couple of weeks ago in chapter 11, we added a verse. <laughs> we pretended to add a verse and put verse 41 in, in chapter 11, and we would put our name behind the two words of by faith. And what is that mountain that God has been disciplining us from, and that we have been mistaken that it's this because this paralyzes people gang this will this will get you to not do anything in my opinion i see it too way too much to the point where we can take it to where we're going this is a positive thing that he's cutting away things from me so by faith i can move the mountain of me that he's made me to be He wants me to be wide open out here with Him. And He's sitting up there and He's still just absolutely rooting you on. Rooting you on. What will it take for you to move the mountain of you? Father, I thank You for a people that are, that are willing to sit in a room and learn with one another that that being You-powered is better than anything we could ever imagine. So Lord, we're just going to close in song and music, and I pray that um, after we've spent time with each other, that we'll go out and to a restaurant somewhere and, and extend this time with one another. So Lord, in this time, in these last few minutes here, I pray that someone will share with others in their midst the mountain that they want to move of themselves. And that they'll share how they're going to turn in the pounding hand of you and turn it into a, a celebratory pom-pom. One where that you are rooting for us. 
to make those hard, disciplined, trained steps, Father, that You want us to. See, Lord, if it were easy, then there would be no need for You to die. Father, if it was easy, there'd be no reason for You to blast out of a tomb. Lord, if we could continue to do it on our own, then there would be no need for us to say yes to You. So these things, these steps, these mountains, it has to be by faith. That way when we look back on it, we don't even really know what happened. We just know that You carried us through it. Lord, it's been a blast. I truly miss these times. And so I look forward to finishing the race this year with this group of people and others as they come and go in just a wide open fashion. Lord, it's in Christ's name that we celebrate together. In His name that we pray. Amen.